Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Good afternoon, everyone. My name's Alex Jones, and I'm the Program Manager of the Equity Foundation. And today, I have the pleasure of introducing our special guest teachers, Casting Director Danny Long and Equity Member Helen Kim. Before we commence, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the, of the Eora Nations and pay my respects to all the traditional owners of country and all throughout our country and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. And that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. I want to take a minute to thank the Equity Foundation's principal sponsor, Media Super. Media Super has supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry super fund and they can help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice. If you don't have any contact details, please let me know and I can put you um, in front of the correct person. The format for today will be that Helen Kim will show the self-test video that she's created and she'll talk through any details. Then Danny will follow up with any comments uh, and then we'll open up to questions. And of course, as always, please direct any questions to the chat section and I'll be in contact with you. Um, and of course, apologies because we never do get to see, get answer all the questions, but we'll do our very best. So over to you, Helen and Danny. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, so like Alex mentioned, uh, we will go through a video. Hopefully it will be helpful. So enjoy. Hi everyone, I'm Helen Kim and I'm here in the Equity Foundation self-test studio to give you a quick rundown on how to self-tape at home and in one of our studios. This video will be handy for those who are new to self-testing and for those who need a refresher. We have to thank Media Super for their support in all our self-testing programs, including this video. Self-testing is now a vital skill for any actor. The foundation is committed to equipping all actors to self-test anywhere, anytime with confidence. We have studios in Sydney, Melbourne, Queensland and Auckland with Perth and Adelaide opening up soon. And they're free for our MIA equity members to use. We also run regular self-testing classes and other acting workshops in person and via Zoom. You can find more details on our website, equityfoundation.org.au. We highly recommend a nice clean background, ideally blue like this one, or gray or green. Depends on your skin tone really. And if there's really nothing else at home and all you've got is a white wall, that's okay too. At the end of the day, we just want a nice, plain, neutral background so the casting directors can see you and focus on your acting. Wear something that will make you pop and stand out from the background. Dress neat, have good makeup, neat hair, and while you're at it, dress like the character. Now, don't go overboard, but if you look the part, the casting directors will really appreciate it. If you self-test a lot, it's worth getting a camera. Get the best camera within your budget. Today, I'm using the Canon 80D. I turn it on here and make sure the battery is fully charged so it doesn't stop recording halfway. 
and have an SD card that is at least 16 gigabytes. That being said, nowadays a lot of people are using their smartphones to film. If you do, just make sure that you film it in landscape, like a TV, not in portrait. If you do use your phone, please make sure that it's on do not disturb or airplane mode so you don't get texts and calls and notifications alerting you while you're recording. Please, please, please use a tripod. They're pretty affordable nowadays and you can find them online. Your tripod should come with a mounting head and a base plate, which you attach to your camera and slide it into the mounting head. Also, while you're at it, get one of these mounting brackets. They're really useful and cheap as chips. Your mounting bracket should be attached to your tripod like this and you slide your phone in right here. Make sure your camera is straight and not slanted. If you don't have time and you have to shoot right now, don't worry. Just find something nice and tall and steady to keep your phone and camera safely in position while you record. The camera should be the same as your eye level or slightly above you pointing down so that your eyes and nose are the closest to the camera, not your chin. A camera that is below you, angled up, it's not flattering. Let's talk about framing. So you want to shoot in a mid close-up. So that means there's little room here, little room here, and enough room for you to move around, but still nice, close and intimate. Once you've got that set up, remember to focus. There's nothing worse than a video that is your best take and it's not in focus. Your smartphone should have autofocus, but if not, you can tap and hold down the yellow square until it focuses. If you're using a camera, make sure your camera is set to video mode. On some cameras, you can rotate the side of the lens until it focuses and it's nice and clear. On other cameras, you can half click the shutter like you're going to take a photo until it focuses. High quality audio is very important, so please avoid using your camera's inbuilt microphone. Instead, invest in those shotgun mics. They make such a difference. You plug it in here, plug it in here, here. That way your voice will be nice and clear and it won't pick up all the noises around you. Good lighting is key. If you have space for these light boxes, then awesome. When I'm at home, I use this ring light. It's super easy to set up and use. You just clip the phone into the stand, plug it in, turn it on, and away you go. Also, take advantage of natural light and shoot during the day. Whatever works. It doesn't have to be perfect, as long as there's no distracting shadows on your face or behind you. White balance is something to think about if you want the colours to look natural and not to orange or to blue. See the difference from this to this? Great. Most cameras have the white balance set automatically. This is only if you want to get more technical. Finally, whether you're doing a monologue or a scene, your eyeline is so important. Make sure you don't look straight down the barrel, but a bit off to the side. Then the casting directors will be able to see your eyes, your thoughts, and connect with you better. 
speaking of which, a good reader is a must. Casting directors love seeing you respond, react, and the relationships between the characters. So make sure you find an actor that brings the best performance out of you. Build a team around you and take turns reading, performing, and filming. And practice, 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 even when you don't have auditions. So that all of this comes naturally when you need it the most. See you in part two for more tips and tricks. Okay. Thanks for watching that, everyone. Um, Lynn gets second. a 10 out of 10. That was outstanding. <laughs> that was so clear. It's so great to hear it because from our point of view, um, when we're receiving a, a huge number of self-tapes, having to get people to re-self-tape is, um, is a lot of work. It's a lot of work for you and it's a lot of work for us. Um, that was so good. Thank you. Hi, everybody. So many familiar faces. Hi. <laughs> The only things I have to add um, would be, and, and you did touch on that, Helen, talking about dress, dressing, you know, neat hair, makeup, and you did say dress for the part. And I would say, you know, makeup and hair is obviously not important if you're going to be playing um, a junkie or, you know, obviously take that into account. I don't think you need to look glamorous for a self-tape at all. Even if it is a commercial, just go with the character, dress accordingly for the character. Framing is interesting. Um, I think it is really good to have the head and shoulders frame, but just be very careful that you read all of the information you receive from the casting director. Um, for some jobs, we only want to see a full length shot. If it's a really physical uh, audition, for example, we want to see how you move. We want to see your body shape. So just make sure we normally send out a very comprehensive list of instructions with our tapes make sure you read everything we send you because people overlook what we send and they just assume it's going to be a head and shoulders shot when we may have wanted to see you in full. And if you don't have that information or if you're muddy about anything that you've received from a casting director, never hesitate in contacting us. It's our job to give you the right information so that we can solve the roles. So please just reach out or get your agent if you have one to reach out to us and just ask for the information that you need because otherwise you're wasting your time and I'd rather you asked me even if it was a stupid question I'd rather you asked the question and it was clear. The only other thing that we haven't really touched on too Helen and I don't know how you feel about this and I don't know what you shoot your self tapes in um, is the size of a file when people are uploading. Um, I think my gut is saying that you should shoot in standard definition if you can because it will make the file size smaller. We do get a lot of calls from people saying I'm trying to upload my audition and it's taking days and it's usually because you've shot it on HD um, or you've, you've made a huge video that um, our systems can't cope with um, and we do on our jot form or our upload form you'll get a link we do specify uh, the size and the type of file that we can receive so again it comes down to reading all the information that we send when we send out for a self-tape do you shoot in standard help um what's considered standard <laughs> uh well you get an option to do high definition so hd oh, yeah, or yeah. standard definition so you can lower the resolution on yeah i, I think, I think I it comes that. down to pixels i'm not an IT person, but yeah. when I do it on my phone, I use the normal setting that it's on, and then I might bring it down while I'm editing on iMovie or like when I use Handbrake, I can shrink it so much that I can even like send it on Gmail or upload on Vimeo. 
might that might be something for part two. I think mm, there mm, is mm. a part two coming, the upload yeah. part probably. Yeah. Um yeah, I think they're all my all my points. It was a really thorough presentation. Does anyone have any questions? Okay, now mm. we can start. Now I've got something here from Martin Everett saying mm -hmm. saying S D could be seven twenty P or four eighty P. Does that make sense to either of you? Do you want to talk about that? And also, I've uh, well, if, and also I've got a question here. Can you talk about preferred slates? What info? Mm. I can talk about slates. We'll go back to the different types of standard definition. I think I think four eighty from memory is a pretty good place to be. Um, because what happens when we upload files to say Casting Networks or Showcast, we generally compress your footage anyway. So it, the, the quality is not gonna be standard, uh, high definition. Um, in terms of slates, we, we do give specifics with our slates. I like a full length shot. Um, some casting directors request profiles and I like your location, competitive commercials if it's for an ad, otherwise that's not relevant to long form availability very, as well right? availability across the shoot dates yep and sometimes we need specific things like height but that is usually spelled out on the form that we send out with the audition if we need your height sometimes we need age but more rarely okay well here's a question coming up from john reed hi danny hi uh, helen thank you for being here today i just had um two questions um if you're auditioning for a musical and you have to do a song um, or if, or in the case, if you have to do a monologue, I have uh, recently been getting quite conflicting pieces of advice on whether to look down the barrel or to the side, particularly when it doesn't seem like there is another kind of reader or perceived character that you're singing to. Uh, what do you recommend? And then uh, second question was, if you have to do a full body audition, but you find it hard in your, in your house to find a, a complete uh, blank space you know how much can you <laughs> include in in your space that won't make it too distracting if if you don't have like you know a full blank wall that you can use from top to bottom um oh okay i would say for the full length shot um a bit of clutter behind you is not going to distract from your performance i mean obviously clear away what you can but everyone appreciates with self-taping that not everyone's going to have a clean backdrop not everyone's got the room so you know, it boils down to, is your performance good? We don't care what's in the background. If you can clean it up a little bit, then clean mm. it up. Obviously don't have any personal items or, you know, try not to do any in front of an unmade bed. But <laughs> so I would completely, you know, try and tidy up the backspace, but yeah. I wouldn't stress about it. it. It comes down to performance at the mm. end of the day. I've seen mm. some self-tapes, some incredible self-tapes from people with, you know, they've shot it outside, they've shot it on their balcony, they've shot it in lots of different locations. It, it's it's not gonna make or break your getting a role. It's it's just helpful. Yeah. Um, the tips I got, cause it's a bit hard, you know, doing theater and musical theater that's so big, but in such an intimate space. Um, yeah. I think not looking down the barrel is what I've heard and like just around, just close enough but not straight at it so that it's still like a performance, like an audience is looking at instead of like a TV performance. Um, now, I've got a question here from, uh, if you're shooting a scene that requires an outdoor location, would you like uh, the actors to shoot in real locations? 
sometimes that's really fun yeah I mean I've had some some tapes we just were on a, a stand show called Eden and um, a lot of that was outside a lot of people took it outside I mean I think if it helps your performance mm. to be in situ why not and if you've got the time and you know, go to the real location I think it's fun but also again not essential and you know at the end of the day it comes down to your intention and your performance mm. how organic and truthful you're being your location isn't really necessarily relevant to that, to that. <clears throat> excuse me yeah and I guess like also keep in mind the lighting and the sound like there could be cars dogs barking and it's um more things out of your control so as long as yeah Seeing you and hearing you is is the most important thing <laughs> in a self-tape, more so than the location. Cassia? Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, my question is about time limits around a self-tape. Do you have a preferred time limit? Because I, I had an experience where my self-tape went for two minutes and 30 seconds, whereas the rest of the people who did the scene went for one minute and 30 seconds. So I was told to cut mine, which was extremely difficult because I found that I lost my sense of character and what I was doing because I didn't have that freedom. So just do you have a preference on time limits or how to work around that so you're not standing out for the wrong reasons? Reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sorry, that was a long form audition. It was for TV or, um, um, yeah, yeah, not a not an ad. Um, I think did you only do one take or was it several takes? No, it was only one. But I was asked to do a second take shorter. Maybe they just wanted you to speed it up. Maybe they just wanted to see. Sometimes that's a note that we give. It's like mm-hmm. a faster take, just to see um, a different version of your performance. But the fact that they, if they wanted it shorter for a technical reason, I don't see the reason really behind that. Mm. I'm a bit confused as to why you'd be asked to, to, to make it shorter just because everyone else's was shorter. Yeah. Um, unless it was an upload issue. But then if you wanted to keep your same rhythm and pacing and, and you were, felt you were more truthful with the longer version, then you just need to compress the video so that it's not as big. Um, yeah. And that takes that problem away from the casting director. So it depends on whether it was a performance pitch thing or an actual technical problem that they had with uploading the file. I, yeah. I would always err on, I mean, like if, if you get asked to do a faster take, do a faster take, because there's a reason why we're asking yeah. that. Um, but if it was a technical reason, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, th- I that's a little odd, I think. Yeah. yeah, that was the feedback I got was, well, everyone else did it this long. And was that on the notification that you got only keep it to one minute 30 or? No, no, there was no, okay. it was, yeah, it was very odd. Well, but, I um, just say you do you. <laughs> just okay. keep, keep it honest. If it's going to interfere yeah. with your performance by doing it double speed, then I'm, you're a bit over a barrel, aren't you? Because you, you've been asked to do it. So I guess you have to just jump through that hoop. But yeah. it'd be good to know why. Yeah. But no, that, because yeah. um, it's been, Every, uh, oh my gosh every other self-tape I've done after that it's always kind of been at the back of my mind um oh, shake it off every casting director is different yeah um, so just uh, we all want different things um we all have different personalities you're never going to meet the same personality in each room you go to so um just forget about it and and move on but if you get asked it again maybe ask why is yeah it, is it a technical thing or is it was it a performance pitch thing yeah. mm. 
Cool. Thank you. Pleasure. Francesca, Francesca, you're on. Ah, oh, okay. Um, I did a self-tape recently with someone who was my reader who was also filming it for me. And he had this circular one that I think you were showing. And it seemed to be really stark and it didn't seem to correlate to the character that I was playing. So the mood felt odd. And somebody did say to me that they thought that that circular lighting system, though very convenient and small and adaptable, was good. And I'd like to ask both you and Danny what you think about the ramifications of that. So you're talking about the ring light. Ring, that's what it's called. Ring yes. light, yeah. And it's also um, hard to see the reader too. You can't connect with the reader. Yeah, because then the phone's covering their face. Yeah. Um, but what I tend to do here is, can you see my one? They're all different, but my one, I can kind of bend it down. Can, and then I have the side where the reader is going to be with the camera there. So yeah. then I can still see through here, or if I move it to the side, then I can still see my eyeline and it's still close enough. But his camera was in the middle of that circle. Yeah, it yeah. Actually a phone. It was actually They're all different. Mm -mm -mm. That was just weird. So I'm not quite sure. If it's, yeah. if it's distracting and you don't, and you, and you, as you said, you didn't think it suited the mood, the lighting, like you're lit really beautifully right now. And you've mm. got a lot of natural light coming through that window behind you. So as long as you're not backlit and you have enough light, natural light on your face, obviously nighttime is a problem. But if you can, if you can get natural light, go for natural light. It's, um, it's less limiting. And also with the ring lights, they only reach so far, I mm. believe, Helen. So you need to be, your frame is kind of restricted and you probably don't have as much movement. Whereas if you're in front of those beautiful windows there um, and your reader has got their back to the windows and you're facing the light, then yeah, I think that, that would work for you really well. All right, thank you. Mm. Great, thanks very much. Susan? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Alex. Hi, Denny, how are you? I am good. How are you? Very well, thank you. At the beach, no makeup. Jealous. Anyway, look amazing. <laughs> um, quick question, and this is wonderful doing this when I saw this um, session because it's certainly very much the way forward. Had an issue um, with an audition recently with a, an upload. This may be part two, as I put in the message to Alex. How do you know what is too much to upload? Because I was doing it through Google Drive and it took two hours to update ridiculous i think so, anything over 500 megs is a problem is that right helen yes um i think in our part two we suggest 50 megabytes mm. to max right yeah as i said it may be a part two question so how yeah. do you know when you're at that though or nearing that 50 or 500 is so when you see it's it's different in every computer but when you have the file you can um, either right click for info of the file size and then it'll show you like how what dimensions it used and how many gigabytes of space it's taking of your storage and that's how you can check first to minimize it there's few websites online and even an app that you can download called uh, handbrake and right. And in that, it tells you how you're going to send it. So if it says like there's a drop down of um, I'm going to use it on Google Drive, then it actually automatically shrinks okay. that size that you need. So handbrake's like a zip 
file? Not because um, zip is also like secured, but it makes it easily transferable from one okay. computer to yeah, another. Yeah, it was just ridiculous, you know. Nowadays, we use WeTransfer sometimes, and that yes, yep. is faster than Google Drive. All right. I was going to say, if you get stuck, normally we have an upload link for you. So you just mm -hmm. click on the link. That's where you fill out your wardrobe form. That's where you upload your edition as well. There's yeah, a, a link within that's it. Yeah, that's what I was using. That link. Yeah, sometimes oh. that that isn't very nice to people and it's mm. and it can and it can be problematic in which case mm. reach out to your casting director saying um I, i'm not having any success with the link or reach out to your agent and then to the casting director mm. yeah. um and then use a, a dropbox or yes, we transfer that's what i ended up having to do dropbox. just get it to us whatever way and we'll yeah. deal with it at our end yeah. if you're really stuck yeah yeah perfect mm. all right thank you but yes, Susan, we will uh, touch on that with like a very expanded on how to do it with like screen sharing and whatnot. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, this is excellent. Thank you. I've got a question uh, from someone. Uh, can you please ask how Danny chooses who to see for a film and TV audition? <laughs> <laughs> um well that's a tricky one um it depends on the, it depends on the role it depends on the character I tend to I think I'm I'm known for testing quite widely for roles I like to unearth new people all the time so um if I haven't met you before and I don't know who you are I read headshots very well um I think over 20 years of reading headshots I'm pretty good with picking uh the type that I'm after so, you know, once we've uh, briefed a job, I may get 600, page, uh, 600 photos, you know, which is about six pages on casting networks or showcast of headshots. And if I'm looking for, you know, uh, a man who's been weathered and, you know, a fisherman type, um, I'll get 600 photos submissions from agents and I'll go through and I'll see if there's a kernel of that character in someone's face. I'll often look at several photos. If, I, if I'm not sure, I'll go through. Sometimes I'll look at reels or mm. if you don't have a reel, I'll look at people's scenes and then I'll make a call on whether to bring you in for an audition or not. Um, an interesting thing that's happened during COVID, I think with the, um, the escalation of self-taping is we see probably more people that for a role than we've ever seen before because our studios aren't tied up you know, in a 10 hour day, you can only see so many people, but now we can go wider, we can cast wider. So I, you know, I already cast wide, but I can go even wider now. So I, I'm meeting a lot more people, not physically, but I'm seeing a lot more faces and getting to know a lot more actors because I'm getting a lot more self tapes in. So yes, I, I think my short answer is I read, I read photos. That's, uh, that's how I choose who to bring in, um, apart from an extensive knowledge of people who already exist. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> Laura? Hello. So my question is about the difference between filming self-tapes for TV series versus TV shows and films. So for, uh, like, for some reason, I find that a lot of TV series that I've received to self-tape don't have much dialogue. There's usually in instructions, something like, oh, act as though you're out of register and you're smiling to a customer. So I was just wondering when it comes to instructions like that, um, is it like, do we have to follow them exactly as written or is there room for some improvised dialogue or interpretation as opposed to like with shows and films? I feel like there's more room to interpret that in your own way. 
So yeah, it's, it's, it's much easier to tape for long form projects than mm. it is for ads with no dialogue. They're really hard to test for. Um, look a little, if there's no dialogue on the shoot day, you're going to have to do your performance with no dialogue. So I would say don't improvise a line um, okay. because we need to know that you can act without a line. Um, uh, I would follow the blocking specifically that the casting director has given you, but we also don't want a homogenized group of people all robotically like looking down, greeting the customer, smiling. And then, you know, we, we want to see you, we want to see your flavor. So the notes that we're giving you generally should just be blocking and a general tone. I normally want more than one take. So I can, I, I'll say do my version and then do your version or the other way around, do your version and then do my version. And that would that would be probably the thing about commercials that I would I would say to follow. The non-speaking commercials are really hard to do. Yeah, yeah. I hope I don't know if anyone's auditioned for anything. I hope we've given enough instructions. But like I said, if we haven't given enough instructions, then you just ask. Always ask. But, I think um, the thing is not to overcook it. Yeah. Just a lot of people have a tendency to feel like because they're not allowed to speak that they. Yeah, they need to do more. Mm, Just keep it really, really simple. Yeah. And sometimes I find a run-up into a scene is really good. So you don't record the run-up. So you might might enter into the space until the camera sort of focuses on you. Or you might have some dialogue first and then get your, whoever's filming you, to record when the the scene is ready to start. So then it doesn't go from zero to a hundred. It's it's a journey. Yeah, it will pick you up halfway through the process so it's a bit more organic yeah i like to do that in the audition room um we'll improvise some dialogue and then the scene will start so that it otherwise it goes you know people aren't acting and then people are acting and it's a bit forced so sometimes that's a little sneaky hack to get you into the right place yeah makes sense and also and one other thing title cards at the beginning or no don't need them no okay cool another casting director might say something different but i think um we're usually pretty time poor. We know who mm. you are. Your file is already labelled in your name, so we don't need to know, you know, Laura, blah, blah, blah. We don't need <laughs> it at the, we don't need it at the front. It's also wasting your time. I don't think we need it. Fair enough. Someone else might disagree with me about that, though. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Pleasure. Hello. Um, thank you. Oh, am I unmuted? There we go. No, you're there. Um, I just waved. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for doing this, by the way. Uh, this is a bit of probably a naive question because I'm new to the industry. How do you, any suggestions or hacks about picking the self-tape that you're going to send through? Because I often find mine, I limit my time to, as to how many I do, but then they're all pretty similar at the end. What should I be looking for? Um, in as in which take to send through to us? Yeah. Uh, well, I like to, as I said before, I give you more than one take. Yeah. But some casting directors won't. Um, I think you just need to go go with your gut and you'll know which one's the most honest um, yeah. or the funniest or it's a, it's a tricky one to know which to pick. If you really are torn, then send two. Yeah. We may not watch the second one, but if they've just requested one take, they may not watch the, the second one. But I think, the you know, first few seconds count, right? Like the first yeah. 15 seconds that are most engaging. Mm, that's true. Um, 
especially uh, not necessarily casting directors. Casting directors tend to watch most auditions from the beginning to the end. But when you're submitting those files, we then send those files off to a producer or a director to have a look at. They may not. So if your first, um, if your first few seconds are weak um, or a bit wobbly, yeah. And then pick the takes that the beginning is stronger because they won't watch all the way through. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much. Pleasure. I'm just going to ask you one here, Danny, um, on the issue of full length shot for the slate. Sometimes it's tricky to get a whole one in as space is tight. Is it okay to tilt the camera up and down or is it okay just to keep it calf up? I'm getting, there are quite a few questions about the slate. Mm. So I don't know whether you want to talk about that. Um, again, another casting director might disagree. Um, keeping it in landscape, keeping your phone in landscape and getting a full length shot is actually quite hard. <laughs> so we have a lot of people flip their phone and do it in portrait. Um, sometimes that's not a problem. Um, calf up is fine. Uh, tilting it up and down is fine. You're not going to not get a roll because your slate was crappy. Like we, we don't care if your slate is crappy, as long as we get the information and we can all, always, you know, get another one if we need to, you know, you're not going to, it's not a make or break situation with the slate. Um, one thing about the slate that's interesting, some people put their slate at the beginning and some put their slate at the end. I've always been a slate at the end casting director because I just want to get into the meat and bones of the thing. And I find slates kind of awkward for actors. Like, hi, I'm Danny Long and I'm auditioning for, yeah. I find them a bit awkward. So I tend to put them at the end. And also I don't want my directors to write off an actor because they've judged them by their slate, which isn't their performance. So I tend to tuck it at the end. For me, if you're auditioning for me, put your slate at the end. I think um, nowadays the US casting directors are doing the same. Oh, good. Mm. They're smart. Michael, you ready to go? Hello. Hi. Hello. Uh, you've kind of already answered this, but I guess this is more for long form. Um, more so um, in terms of number of takes to send if you're doing a, a test with maybe two or three scenes. Um, I know in the past uh, and from a couple of other colleagues added more than one scene to show some, uh, more than one take, sorry, to show some diversity of a moment if it's the dramatic scene versus more comic scene. Um, but are there any preferences on that or more pet peeves if it, a three minute, four minute test goes out to six or seven minutes? Yeah, not if it's a if it's a really you know it's, if it's a pivotal role. I think it's the same as auditioning in the room. If you're going to do ask to do another take or you're going to share several takes, they should be different. We don't want to see three of the same takes um, <laughs> because that's just going to you know reflect badly on you because it shows that you don't have any range. So as long as the takes are different, um, I think that's fine. I think it's fine to do several, but I think most casting directors, um, uh, I had a friend who auditioned for a really huge international project and she came in and put down the tape with me and they were very specific about one of each scene. She had three scenes, they did not want to see range, they, did, they just wanted one of each scene. So I think go for the one that you felt was the most truthful, that's always, the rule of thumb, isn't it? That's what we want to see. Yeah. Um, but if you do have three good takes, send them. If there's no parameters on it, yeah, and they're different. Piggybacking off Michael's question, then would you want the scenes all together or like the best takes first and then 
pause mm-hmm. and then lead with your strongest take for the same reason I said before as in like if... so scene one and the good take and then scene one the alternate take scene two the good take like that or like scene one two three bang best takes and then the no no I do I would do scene one good scene one variation scene two mm-hmm. good yeah variation um, if you do get four scenes, it's probably not a good, good idea to do multiple <laughs> takes of, because that is going to be showing your range. So if you get given four scenes to put down for something, yeah. just send through one take of each of those four scenes because that's going to show range because they might have an angry scene, you know, a pensive scene, a crying scene, whatever. But if it's one scene, send a couple takes. Mm. Um, now, I've just had a question here about uh, when you're doing the slate and you you you've been doing an audition in a US accent, do you do the slate in a US accent or your natural accent? Up to you, Um, up to you. I I think there's two schools of thought. Uh, One is uh, that people will receive it and just believe that you're American. (laughs) They're like, wow. Um, Or they'll hear your American accent and then hear the slate and go, oh my God, I can't believe they're Australian. Uh, (laughs) What a great accent. Not sure. I think I'm not sure. I think I think Australian. They they know where you are. They know who you are. They know where they're requesting the, the tape from. I think it's kind of nice to show your personality in the slate and show who you are, because we've seen the character that you're presenting. So why not show the actor that you are, the human that you are at the end? Okay. That would be my preference, but everyone is different. Georgia, you're on. Hello. Um, thank you so much for Hi. today. Um, I just had a question in regards to like freelance artists and receiving briefs and the casting notifications, how you would recommend them going ahead to get their hands on those. It's tricky. Um, Well, you obviously need to have a a profile with both casting networks and showcast. I think they're equally important. Most of our briefs go out to everybody, not just agency represented people. So you should get a notification. I'm, I'm, assuming you get a notification if you're a freelancer and we include freelance. Um, Other than that, friends, you hear a friend is auditioning for something, keep your ear out. If you think you're right for it, try and um, email me. If you hear um, I'm doing a job and you think I'd nail that, just reach out to me and I'll have a look at your headshot. I'll have a look at your reel or any scenes you've done and make a a call on that. Um, I preface that with a lot of casting directors may not like being cold called, um, but I'm open to it. Um, but I would say if you're going to push yourself forward, uh, make sure it's for the right role and you really think you're going to nail it because, you know, don't just, you know, volley for everything that comes along. Um, yeah. Yeah. Keep your eye on Instagram, Facebook, all the social media, because we often post things where um, we're casting on, on those platforms. Um, that'd be about it I think yeah it's it's tricky it's tricky as a freelancer to keep abreast of everything that's that's going on but then a lot of agents sometimes don't get briefs as well so I don't think it's all doom and gloom and if you do hear about something this is a bit cheeky and and I think casting other casting directors might not agree with me but if you do hear about something then you could always just go and put down a self-tape and send it through to the generic email of the casting director and they'll either put it in the trash or they'll watch it why not (laughs) give it a go awesome thank you pleasure on that danny um it can't be the script itself right if it's like nda whatever if it's it has to be a similar tone character that could fit in do you suggest yes you can't you can't use 
you can't good point Helen you can't use a script that is definitely not for you know a watermarked copy for a, you know a US pilot that has your name on someone else's name on it no you can't do that you could share your showreel or do a scene that is that is similar um for commercials I don't think it really matters especially if it's unless it's something that's gone out as confidential but they rarely are it's just a scene in a commercial I think that's fine okay Sam Hi, Danny. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I just wanted to ask you um, what makes the self-test tradition stand out in your opinion? Um, we hear a lot about taking risks and making bold choices and being memorable. Um, so I just wanted to ask if you have, if you remember anything that stood out to you and, and, and what we can do as actors to be memorable. Mm, that's, a, that's an interesting question. There, I don't know if anyone saw Dacre Montgomery's test for uh, Stranger Things. So that went pretty viral because he did, you know, some weird stuff at the end of his tape and it was very in character. It was very bold. It was very dangerous. It was all those sorts of things. And then we had a like a, a blight of actors doing some dancing or doing some kooky stuff. And and it was it's just terrific, to be honest. Like it's, I think, don't push anything just to be remembered. Don't don't try too hard just to be remember it's only going to it's going to do you a disservice i think honesty is everything if you can be really honest and really truthful with your performance that's actually all we want to see we don't want to see you trying hard to be remembered we'll remember you because your performance is good and organic and honest yeah um yeah this whole be dangerous be bold i think I think it gets misconstrued. It shouldn't be an outside in thing. It should be an inside out thing. It should be something that's like, okay, well, why don't I try a take if I'm self-taping? I can experiment if I'm self-taping. I can, I can try something really crazy. I can do something with my thought processes. Maybe I can change my physicality. Maybe I can experiment a little bit, but then, you know, look at all the takes and work out which is the most honest. That's really all I can say. I wouldn't do a crazy slate or, I think it became very popular there for a while, but I think you just keep it about the work. Keep it about the work. Don't make it about being remembered because your performance is going to be quite fake, I think, if you're making it about being remembered rather than about being truthful to the to the content. Are you okay with actors going off script a little bit or do you prefer them to stick to the script as much as possible? Uh, I think stick to the script, especially... Um, Unless it's comedy, um, with comedy people, I'm quite open to people improvising. Um, with drama, stick to the script. They're, there's writers for a reason and they've usually really handcrafted their words. Um, some, it, it's also not just me, it's, um, it's the director that we're delivering the material to. They might, you know, not be very happy if somebody's rewritten their, their script. So I'd say stick to the script. There's room for embellishment and improvisation at recall. You can talk to the person you've been recalled for and say, you know, are you open to me doing this? But that that being said, I do love I do love it when people do, oh this is this could cause a problem, but at the end of the scene, I do like it when people carry on a little bit of the scene, like impro out of it. It was like what I was saying before about um, uh, improving into a scene and then hitting record. So you don't record the improv into the scene, but you do improv into the scene and then start the scene. It gives it a much better opening, I think. Um, but you could also just maybe do a little cheeky record a snippet as you keep 
acting at the end of the scene. Um, depends on the project, depends on the genre. Comedy room for sort of improv, I think, but other genres, maybe not. I haven't really answered that very succinctly, but I think, I think you'll know when you do it. Is this too much? <laughs> if your gut is saying, oh, I think that might be too much, it's too much. Thank you. It's all right. Now, Danny, I've got a question here. How far into a self-tape do you stop watching? Is it just an instinct thing? Because sometimes the magic may come towards the end, which is what you were just talking about. Yeah. I think if there's, um, look, I always watch self-tapes all the way through. For that reason, I do. But like I said, we forward these auditions onto a director and they may not. So what Helen was saying about lead with your strongest opening is good. I think if there's the kernel of a character there or there's the essence of the character that we're trying to cast in somebody, even if their tape is a bit wobbly, we'll give them another go and or ask them to retape. You want to, you'll want to, I will want to explore what I see there. So I would say I watch all, all tapes all the way through and Yes, the goal does come at the end. Some some people need a long run up, but maybe try that technique of improing in and then you won't need a long run up. Sometimes that helps. Atlas, you're on. Groovy. Uh, hey, Danny, how are you doing? Hello, how are you, Atlas? <laughs> Very well, thank you. I You already answered a bunch of questions I had, so thank you for that. Uh, I also wanted to ask, uh, what do you do in scenes where they're asking for two people or they're asking for like real flatmate pairs and all these sorts of things? Uh, and you, you lonely old me, what do you do? Um, Look, when it's an overnight thing, it's my dad or my dogs. Um, and neither of them are quite great performers. I've had some absolutely wonderful um, dads doing great read reads for their, for their, for their actor children. Um, yeah. It's funny, actors can actually cope with a bad reader. And, and I, I think um, a lot of casting directors do reading. And I, I, I used to be an actor and I remember going, I will not name the casting director, but I was just so floored by how bad they were as a reader. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's good. You don't, you don't know who you're going to get as your reader. They could be terrible. So it doesn't really matter. If you can get a good reader, grab them. But if you can't, it doesn't really matter because you would get one in the room depending on who they've, um, they've, who's reading for you. And my second question was, uh, what is something that you particularly like that maybe other people don't. And you kind of answered it there with like the little extra moment after the, the thing ends. Oh, but I don't want all that... of your auditions to have a little extra moment. No, there's yeah. not gonna be a little extra it's, thing. It's just it's just occasionally sometimes it's nice. And yeah. um, you know what guys also, what I do in the studio, which might be fun for you guys is I, I record the read. So when an actor comes to audition for me, I say, um, do you wanna have a read through? If they say yes, I sneakily record the read through because sometimes that first read through when there's no real acting going on is the pitch and tone that I want. Often I delete those takes, but sometimes every now and then you capture this really not trying too hard performance, which is really stripped back and minimal. And then when you go for a take, you can see the acting start to start and you're like, hang on a minute, your read was better than, <laughs> than your actual take, go back to your read. So I do a cheeky record of the read. Um, Great. I segued away from your question, I think, sorry. No, it's, it's still an interesting little answer. That's, a nice that's something little secret. I do that's a bit different probably. I do a lot of takes. I think uh, I schedule a lot of time for my auditions because I don't like to be rushed and I hate people in my waiting room. Yeah. So even if it's an ad, I don't ever have a pile up if I can avoid it. Um, so I do a lot of takes and I, and I like people to leave feeling like 
they did the best that they could do because I do have flashbacks to being an actor and sitting in my car driving away from an audition and just going oh <laughs> and doing it again and again and again in the car on my way home I, and not having felt like I, I laid it on the floor so I do give people the opportunity to to leave feeling okay I hope yeah well we appreciate that empathy thank you good David you ready yep Again, Danny, uh, thanks for doing this. A uh, question I wanted to ask was, if you were to prioritise narrowing down an actor for a particular project, in which, in which order would you prioritise from the following, say, headshots, showreel, training and credits? Headshot first, because that's what we're first presented with. Um, reel second. Yeah, probably the way you've got it, actually, training credits. Um, okay. I very rarely look at people's training and credits. Um, I yeah i if i see something in them that is right then i tend to bring them in and then if if i look at their reel and i go whoa you know where's that person been then i'll go to their training and credits and go they've not done any training or <laughs> they're just a genius or oh they went to whopper you know <laughs> so um yeah headshot first headshot first reel second and when I say real, it doesn't have to be a professional real. It can be just some really good scenes for other auditions that you put down. Um, I would say don't put uh, anything on a platform like Casting Networks or Showcast as a real if you're not 100% happy with it. And I know actors are never really 100% happy with their reels, but if you feel, don't ever put something up just for the sake of us seeing you moving and talking because it will do you a disservice if it's not good. So make sure it's strong. And one scene is fine. You don't need to put a whole heap of stuff up there. Yep. Thanks very much for that. That's my pleasure. I've got some uh, one thing here, Danny. Most casting directors say to hold a piece of paper up with name, etc. It's very easy now to put text over the video, which would be a lot neater. Would that be considered weird or wrong, or are we at a point now where that would be acceptable? Well. I don't do anything at the beginning. I don't do the hold up the piece of paper like you're in a mugshot. I've always found that kind of awkward and irrelevant. I think you can just put something, a caption down the bottom of your screen. If, if they're requesting that at the front, um, then get with the Times casting directors, just put the caption down the bottom. I think it's fine. I don't think you need the piece of paper. That being said, because I don't do it, I can't speak for the casting directors who are requesting that. And if they are wanting you to hold up a piece of paper with that, your ID or whatever on it, then I guess you have to do it really. Mm. I forget who I heard it from, but I think it's because you know how when you submit the self-tapes, it's the thumbnails. So apparently mm. like the paper helps because it's like... It does. It does. Yeah. It does help, but... Um, also, the file is named your name. Yeah. So, and also, when we put it into um, uh, software like Casting Networks or Showcast, your your CV, your name, everything is already on it. So it seems redundant to have to do it. But if someone is used to working that way and that's their workflow and they can see the thumbnails really clearly all lined up with the piece of paper and that helps them, then you should just do it for them. Yeah. Okay, we're to two minutes to one and we've got one last question coming up, Indiana. Hi, Danny. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Um, my question is, I get a lot of audition requests with an accent um, and sometimes I find I'm so focused on the accent that my performance becomes this really external... Um, I, I don't feel great about my work because I've, I've been so focused on getting this perfect accent. My question is, 
how what is the expectation of having that fully formed piece of work when we have maybe three or four days <laughs> that's so mean of us isn't it yeah northern ireland your um your audition is tomorrow it's it's pretty mean i think um if it's distracting from your performance and it becomes all about the accent it's probably not a good idea to put the audition forward um or ask for an extension on on the audition that being said if we can hear a kernel of the accent and hear that you have an ear for it and we have something that could be polished and worked on, um, will be very forgiving uh, of the accent. I don't think anyone's gonna be cast over you because their accent was better, but their performance was worse. So always go performance first, accent second. Um, if the wonky accent is distracting you and it's a half-baked thing, malformed thing that you're gonna send us and it's not gonna shed good light on you, then maybe ask for an extension or just think, mm, I don't know, it's a tricky one. I think it's better to put your best foot forward with people rather than do a bad audition and send it anyway because you've been requested to do it. I think I'd probably not send the audition if it was half-baked. Oh, it's a tricky one though. <laughs> yeah, so it's just the accent comes, the accent will come. I mean, some people can't do accents, that's true, but I think it, it, always the performance is more important. And if we can hear that you can get there with the accent, then that's that's good. Okay. Go with your performance. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it's one o'clock. Boy, that hour went very quickly. Uh, thank you, Helen. And thank you, Danny. Pleasure. Uh, this has been fantastic. We are going to have this as a podcast and that self-test video will be up on our website. So um, keep an eye out for that. So Danny, uh, thank you. It's always so incredibly important for us to have um, uh, casting directors and the casting directors in Australia are always so supportive. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Alex. I really enjoyed it. And lovely to see lots of familiar faces. And thanks, Helen, for that really clear video. And Helen, great. thank you. And thank you for the wonderful video and answering all these questions and being here as well. Thank you to both and to all the people who tuned in. Thank you. See you, peeps. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, much, Lee. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Thank Bye. you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors Equity on Facebook and Twitter.